All right, one champion down. One to go. Maybe tonight, maybe we see back-to-back -back trophies, cups raised. But a 24 hours to remember in Canadian sports lore. Yeah, can the Northern Star voters just shut off for the next, for the like the other 363 Ooh, days the in the year? Northern Star voters, I forgot. It's going to be a tough one this year. I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know if you have to pay attention now. Yeah, I was going to say. Your criteria is set. Your candidates are right there. I don't think Nick Taylor is going to take home the Nor Northern Star, but. No. For the one tournament he won, and then you have If he Jamal wins Murray one more wins time on tour this year. Oh, so you think. We're just doing accomplishments yesterday. I Whole don't know. accomplishments debate. Now and all it of a sudden, could be Jamal, Jamal Murray. Jamal just like completely superseded. There's going to be Taylor. a lot of intrigue when that comes in what September, October when they vote for it. I December. Think. Oh, the little year end thing. It is a year end thing. Yeah. I always think like the year end is like when school starts in September, but it is not. Mm. But 24 hours to remember, Nick Taylor. The triple quadruple OT putt, and then Jamal Murray doing it. For the city of Kitchener, I hope Kitchener's still up partying. Let me do this, just clarify. Jamal Murray is ahead for you. Yeah. Really? He just won an NBA championship and set multiple records for Canadian basketball. He's the running mate. I don't care. Not to diminish Jamal Murray. No way, man. Jamal Murray is I, I, miles I mean, I, I ahead like of Nick Taylor. Miles ahead. Yeah. Yesterday we were talking about how this was the greatest okay. thing in Canadian sports. Greatest moment. We talked about. A moment that was an amazing moment that Nick Taylor won the we Canadian did. Open. We did. We definitely kind of went accomplishment won versus moment. A championship and is the third player in history. You want me to read all the stats? That yeah, I think. I mean, I think everyone should hear the stats. Third player in history to collect fifty assists within the first five career NBA Finals games, joining Michael Jordan. Never heard of him. Yeah, and Jimmy Butler wasn't the, double digits. The last ninth night, Canadian player to win an NBA championship, the second straight year that a Canadian's lifted the Larry O'B Trophy. Anyway. There's a lot. We know how Jamal Murray's been. He's not just a championship winner. He was the co-star on the Denver Nuggets alongside the best player in the world. Mm -hmm. He, he's got my vote over Nick Taylor. Love Nick Taylor. I think he's a gem of a guy. We'll talk about him in the A-list. I got some A-list stuff with Ooh, him. Okay. But if you win an NBA championship and you come back from a real devastating injury in your journey to this level, yeah, I think you have my vote over one championship. Uh, I agree. Uh, I wouldn't say it's over, though. I mean, Nick Taylor wins wins twice in the PGA Tour, 69 years, 72-foot putt. I mean, maybe I think he's still in the conversation. I guess we're not really giving any other candidate a chance right now. But Jamal Murray definitely... We're definitely forgetting somebody. Jamal Murray seems like he's standing alone in terms of, like, yeah, prestige, top accomplishment, uh, global impact, if yes. that makes any real uh, profound difference when people are debating these things. But, yeah, you think about it, hockey's halfway through the cycle, and McDavid, obviously, was McDavid. Alfonso Davies was born last year. I don't see any women's hockey players challenging at this year. They lost the they world lost. championship. Yeah. No Olympics. We're definitely forgetting someone. I mean, there's going to be uh, Brooke Henderson has an entire summer basically ahead of her still. to do something big. But not yet. I mean, Layla Summer McIntosh was doing things. Yeah, Summer McIntosh was doing things. Layla, Bianca have a couple, no. great, a couple tennis of tournaments Tennis is not in back, the best spot. No, we're not seeing that. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, I think just, you know, pay attention to the last couple of days and you'll be all right. Which Canadian on the, the Vegas Golden Knights could do it? <laughs> Ooh, I guess it's 
Jonathan Marcheseau or Aiden? Is Aiden Hill Canadian? I don't even know. I don't think so. Mark Stone? There are quite a few Canadians there. Oh, here we go. Canadians on the Vegas Golden Knights. Here we go. <laughs> a quick Google search. Michael Amadio. Michael Amadio. Alphabetical order. Jonathan Quick. I don't think he's winning it. Jonathan Quick is not Canadian. That's what it says on this. Well, we should just not look at that because he's definitely not Canadian. This is a this is a tough. Now I don't article. know about Michael Amadio. He probably isn't. Oh, maybe his Canadian nationality. Jonathan Quick. Uh, this is what he's in net. Sault Marie is Michael Amadio. Well, that makes sense. Apparently, Logan, apparently Logan Thompson's also Canadian. Yeah, yeah, can Calgary, that. Brock. Oh yeah, Brock, your boy Mark Stone. This is the list is slim. So, <laughs> Aiden Hill is Canadian. Aiden Hill's Canadian. Is it Jonathan Quick or Aiden Hill on that? Because then we have to throw it out. Because Jonathan Quick is, Quick is not Canadian. Yeah, this this list is hilarious. I just clicked the first article and it's like Canadian nationality, and then lower on it says. Goalies, Aiden Hill from Canada, Jonathan Quick from Connecticut. It's like, did you proofread this? I was having a conversation over the weekend about, like, is Google now kind of irrelevant? Because if it doesn't give you that, like, if you type that into ChatGP, who are the Canadians who play for the I Vegas sort of Golden Knights? You would not get Jonathan Quick. No, it's because it's, it would canvas be everything rather than one article that's wrong. Well, that's why AI and, like, you can't trust anything. This wasn't even Wikipedia that I looked at. And obviously, you know, you can't trust Wikipedia. Anyway, we just got on a tangent. But maybe there's a Canadian that wins the Stanley Cup tonight that Something tells me they won't be able to hang with even Nick Taylor. Even Nick Taylor. Yeah. Well, I've still given Jamal Murray the, the biggest moment and the most impactful championship so far this season. I think that's fair right now. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, Serbia is having a bigger moment than Canada, let's be honest. Honestly, give the Northern Star Award to Serbia. What's the Serbian equivalent to the Northern Star? Because they got, well, it probably will be Nikola Jokic, but they have some options Mm -hmm. with Novak Djokovic winning his 23rd Grand Slam title over the weekend. But, yeah, we should discuss Nikola Jokic because it was quite the coronation for the NBA's best player uh, winning a title last night and doing so, at least in the celebration, in pretty hilarious fashion. There was so much good stuff, and I know it's still trickling out. If you if you're waking up, you head to Twitter because he, he is he's such a unique character mm-hmm. and so unassuming. He's getting the MVP trophy, and his, his kid, his little daughter, is so cute. He's just he's so wholesome, unassuming, wholesome, authentic, goofy, lovable, and the best player. In the world, right? He's got mm-hmm. all this combined and humble it's beyond belief. It's like he's belief. allergic to the spotlight. Oh, it's hilarious. Like, he, he's popping the champagne and he could not even muster, like, a smile. He's just like... Well, he didn't even muster enough, like, uh, force put into the shake it, to it just produce... Out. Yeah, it just trickled out. Like, he was... He didn't want to go too far, it seemed like, with the shake because he didn't want to b- probably uh, call attention to himself. So he failed with his champagne shower celebration attempt but his entire story and we're gonna have lots of time to chat today um about the denver nuggets and their journey to this championship and how it probably wasn't uh the the most anticipated at times right they they surprised a lot of people and they finished it out last night in a game that was ugly and kind of get into that um but his story and his rise from a guy that was drafted during taco bell commercial right 
who came from Serbia and even yesterday on the on the podium, I forget who was it, the coach or the owner that was like, well, he's kind of a chubby guy. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I think it was the owner. I know. Kroenke, we've, yeah, we've, who's having quite the run himself, yeah, by the four way. Four championships in two years. Yeah. Um, he obviously is, you've seen all the baby pictures. He's a guy that loves horses and his horse farm and everything, he, horse racing. But he has developed into this unbelievable, unbelievable superstar. And he's a very different superstar than we see in the league. He's not a Steph Curry superstar. He's not a LeBron James. He's not, you know, the list of five to eight people that you put in the superstar. He just shies away from all of that. It's all about team. It's all about friendship. Like when he's getting his acceptance speech, he's talking about like what this is going to mean. He's like, well, we just like we're all we're a team we're friends like we're gonna remember this forever and, and, and he won't take any personal praise or or he knows like he just knows how i feel like how he won, won everybody's heart but he's not doing it purposely you know it was just, it's really sweet to see that's all i gotta say he went and shook all the miami heat players hands before he even celebrated with his own team and that is authentic it's not like a thing he does for the, the camera, right? No, I think he'd, really I think it. he'd rather do that than stand and at celebrate. center court and have the sh- the you know the confetti fall on him and, and screaming him and everyone has the cameras around him. He would rather do that normal stuff where you're shaking your hands. You're doing something with your hands because maybe you're a little awkward. Like <laughs> yeah. he's a he's a bit of an introvert. I mean, he's doing they're doing the actual team photo at the end and he's not wearing any of the championship gear he's off to the he side gave the trophy away he left the, the, MVP, uh, he left trophy. the mvp trophy behind yeah he's just kind of like a little allergic to the spotlight like but like <laughs> any true introvert when he starts putting Michelob ultras into his system he's oh, all yeah. of a sudden having some fun and he's a bit of a jokester and, and he's making everyone laugh he's throwing jamal murray into the pool in fun. the back and he's making jokes he on to loosen up a bit yeah, yeah you loosen up a bit i mean it's it's kind of Everyone knows people like that, so it's not predictable, but it is cool to have a superstar act a little bit different, Mm -hmm. and Nikola Jokic is a little bit different, and Jamal Murray is a little bit more like everyone else, where he wanted to wear the hat and hold the trophy and be front Mm -hmm. and center uh, when the pictures are being taken, and when he finally has the moment, the buzzer sounds, he breaks down emotionally because it's hitting him harder than it is, I guess, Nikola Jokic, who might be eh, maybe hit the same way, but just able to conceal those emotions and do other things while Murray was running the gamut of emotions a little bit more. I think that's why they're a perfect tandem. They're co-stars. Good point. They have different perspectives. They have different personalities, different ways of dominating the game. And I think that makes them a tandem that we don't see often. You know, when you have two superstars on a team, sometimes you're competing for the title of being the star, right? And Jokic doesn't give a a crap about that. He doesn't care whatsoever about that. He just wants to win basketball games. And he'll do do it with pouring in the offense or he'll do it without taking one shot and being a shutdown defender. He's not looking for the glory in the limelight. I'm not saying that Jamal Murray is, whatever. But, like, they just have a different approach to winning, and I think that's what made them a perfect tandem. I want to play the Jokic clip. I mean, there's so many good ones, um, but about so what's next? Oh, the parade, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be a party, and he's on the on the panel afterwards, and he's asked about like what's next for him and the Denver Nuggets. That's what he had to say. I'm curious what you are feeling right now, and if you're looking forward to a parade coming up in Denver. When is parade? When is parade? Thursday. No. I need to go home. <laughs> okay. He 
And then he continues uh, in other clips saying he's got to home, go home because on Sundays, his horse racing. And oh. so if the, if the parade is Thursday, can he get back home to Serbia in time for the horse racing on Sunday? And his he's like, I'll have to ask for the plane. They're like, I think you could get the plane. Like, I think they'll give you the plane <laughs> to get home. But he's just, yeah. He's, he doesn't he's, want to ask for the plane. He though. doesn't want to. <laughs> Nicole, but he's got to get home Sunday for his horses. So, anyway, yeah, and he's not hilarious. lying. Like, we've seen footage of him being awarded the MVP where he's just home. We're, the humble beginnings yeah. of his life where it's just like, yeah, you live a different life when you go home. And he's looking forward to it. Uh, to going home and living that different life where you're not standing in the middle of a basketball court with the whole world watching you celebrate something. Like, he is a bit of a different guy, and he still uh, wants to be the Nikola Jokic who came over as understated as understated Mm -hmm. can be. Okay, let's talk about the game because uh, they found a way to win it. I wouldn't say that it was my favorite basketball game that I've ever watched. It was kind of a yucky, Mm -hmm. old-school, low-scoring slop fest at times. And Denver did not come out. Firing. I will say it was ent- entertaining for a slop fest yeah. because they were. Well, of course, they just could not get in out of each other's it way. It ended up which was being good. close in the end. Yeah. That's what you want from a championship game, right? You're dialed in the final minute, it's tied. You're trying to figure out who's going to win this title, or it's going to head back to Miami, and then things change a lot if it, if Miami were able to win that. Mm-hmm. But that first half, the first quarter, Denver, and I don't know if if you're in agreement, looked like. Kind of not not shell shock, but maybe they had their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. I don't know about foot off the gas pedal. Maybe pressed too hard. I mean, they mm. looked really tight. They looked like a team that understood, hey, we're supposed to win a championship tonight, mm-hmm. and how are we going to deal with that? On home court, and it's a process yeah. for everyone, right? Like it's a process for teams who are in that position for the first time ever. Yeah, they went on a run in the bubble, uh, and they had to take a step back after that. After Jamal Murray got injured, um, but it definitely looked like a team that had never been there before. But the thing is with them is like there's there's the saying there's beauty in the struggle. Uh, for the Denver Nuggets, there's greatness in the struggle because despite being actively bad at times in the game, their shooting was terrible. Mm. They were what four for twenty five or something along that those lines uh, from beyond the arc. They were bricking free throws throughout the entire game. But still, despite that, despite having an objectively bad game by their standards, they still win because. They are truly, truly great. And their C game, if you want to call it that, was better than what Miami could put out there. And that wasn't a brilliant effort by Miami by any stretch of the imagination either. Uh, they're definitely kind of limping to the finish line. But Denver's Denver's floor is so high that even when they don't have things going, when they are tight, when they are feeling the moment, which I think they were, they're able to just power through. So it's their first NBA championship, of course. Went 46 seasons, I believe, without... One, the longest wait ever for an NBA team to win a championship. So, yeah, there was a lot riding on them. They did have the upper hand of a game or two in in their back pocket. But you want to win on home court. It's the first time since 2017 that a team won on home court. And there's pressure there, too. There's Get pressure there. Every, everyone's making arrangements. Everyone's planning 100%. things. Like, you have to win you this game that. in a lot of ways. You know that your family, your friends, everybody's there. You and a horse race on Sunday. Yeah, you got to get home for the horses. Because they need you. So a little bit of pressure. Nobody could hit a shot between both teams in the first half. Um, Jimmy Butler, until that final stretch, like I was writing down, what the hell is Jimmy Butler? Where is he? He was a ghost. He comes up and big in that fourth quarter, what, 13 of his 21 points. But he makes the a game, couple of big threes. He, yeah. Oh, but up until that point, it was 
ghost mode superstar that did not show. Mm-hmm. And that's what that team needed is that team isn't as deep or and I guess um, their roster construction is a little different than Denver in terms of players that were going to show up in big moments. But there was no Jimmy Butler until very late in the game when you thought, oh, here we go. Miami is going to be that gritty team that finds a way in the fourth quarter to win, and Jimmy Butler might do that. And he had some really bad mistakes, turnovers at really important times. Denver continues to capitalize on that. But I was disappointed in the Jimmy Butler experience up until the end of that game because I wanted to see a head-to-head with some superstars. It just felt like Miami had kind of run out of gas over this last yeah, series. I, I think, to be fair to Jimmy Butler, probably more compromised than we... Oh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to find it. Like, like, it's I, the same I, thing. Like You're going to be injured. He's banged up. Yeah. The lift off, even the threes he was hitting, it seemed like there was very little lift on those shots, yeah. but he was making them anyway, so you got to give him credit for of that. Of course. I, I know he's not, like, full health, but this also, you know, how many people are at full health, and we do this with the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. And, and the opportunity was there, right? Like, if, yeah. he, t- if he decided a this is going to be... The, if he had five great minutes to give, maybe he gave it in the fourth quarter and he actually made an impact i mean mm-hmm. miami had a chance to win that game but it seemed like there were chances for miami to kind of step on the throat and if jimmy was able to do it yeah. in those moments maybe the game was a little bit different because you're forcing denver not forcing denver to make decisions like business decisions but if you bury them maybe they can't get out of it and maybe you can rely on bam mm-hmm. once you have a 10 to 15 point lead or whatever uh to carry you through uh, and not rely on Jimmy Butler late. But it seemed like they were waiting to kind of have this coin flip moment uh, in the fourth quarter, have Jimmy Butler actually have his impact then. And although he did have an impact, it just wasn't enough. I wonder how we're going to remember Miami because obviously we know how we're going to remember Denver. And I think this could be the start of, I don't know, dynasties a bit too. Well, they're saying it. so And they are saying it. And they have... They have some years on this, right? It's not a one and done, mail it in, uh, try to try to get rid of every a prospective player you have in the future to win now. Like they have two, three, four years of some of these players locked up and they're young. Like Jokic is not an old guy. Jamal Murray, we know like that tandem can be locked in for the next little while and they could continue to make a run at this. Miami is a different story. Like they were a really awesome eighth seed that beat the best to get here, right? I wonder if not having to go to a game seven against the Celtics and and pushing that series even longer really affected how this one went. I do think that they were never going to be really evenly matched with Denver, but it'll be a story that we look back on and say, what a great series, what a great run by an eighth seed. But in the end, they couldn't topple the best of the best. Yeah, I mean, it's a low-variant sport. Uh, the best team usually wins. And Miami maybe was playing at something far less than that in order to put themselves in a position as an eighth seed to actually make it as far as they did. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the Eastern Conference just was never even close to as good. Maybe there wasn't an elite team and they were just kind of able to rise above the the parity that you know was shown for uh, large parts of the season. But that doesn't include Denver. Denver was elite. Denver was a very, very good team. And generally the very, very good teams with the best player are able to triumph in the NBA. We see it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And this, this shouldn't really be a surprise because Nikola Jokic is coming off two MVP seasons where he was clearly the best player in the league. And he probably was again this year. And he wasn't given the award because they didn't want to give him three in a row, but they have spent years building around the best player in the league. And when, the best player in the league peaks 
hits his hits the you know the the mm-hmm. the top of his performance range and you have had three or four years of gaining intel and figuring out exactly what he needs around him you're going to be in a good spot if you have competent people building a basketball team and you're right there you have everyone locked up yep Jamal Murray Michael Porter Jr Aaron Gordon KCP Bruce Brown they're all uh they're all locked up uh, uh, for next year uh, based on, yeah, this 2023. I was making sure it wasn't this year that I'm looking at. They're all there again next year. And you can say the word dynasty, I guess, if you're just making a promise that you're going to come back and you're going to be competitive again. And you can do that with confidence when you got all the guys who made an impact on this year's title mm-hmm. uh, coming back next year with a player like Jokic still at the height of his powers. So, not that you should be promising anything, but I, I think they probably feel pretty comfortable saying, hey, yeah, we're going to be back because we were the best team this year and we got the entire best team coming back next year. You got the best player in the league that I don't know who's matching up. Like you're now you're building your team if you if you want to win championships, like how you can take down Jokic. Like he did everything. He led the NBA finals in every statistical category. He set records almost every game it felt like right it was like or the last time this ever happened was wilt right it was like oh this thing hasn't happened since x year right Mm -hmm. it was just like it's like when shohei (laughs) makes a stat and it's since you know a name that we can't even remember has done something right right. then that's what Jokic did he's 28 years old and he's found the right mix for himself he's got the right co-star so i wouldn't be surprised if we can look later at what the lines open up as, but if Denver could be in the top two to f- four predictions to win again, I mean, oh, I'm sure they will be. There's sure always like, be. you know, the Warriors or Lakers or whatever that they get the public backing, but the Denver Bucks Nuggets, will be up there. yep, the Bucks, but Denver Nuggets look like they could be a very, very similar team next year. And that's scary for everybody else. And Jokic is the one true unicorn, of course, on that team. But I, I think what I appreciate the most about the Denver Nuggets is that they have a bunch of players who are very individually distinct who come together to form a team. Like it's kind of yin and yang. We were talking mm-hmm. about with uh, Murray and Jokic in terms of personality, but also on the floor. I mean, they do the exact opposite things in a lot of ways, despite Jokic pretty much doing everything. Uh, but Michael Porter Jr. is a very distinct player, long, yeah. rangy guy who gets his shot off very, very quickly, hitting threes, but also very athletic and get to the rim. Aaron Gordon's a bit of a beast who's different than the other three that I just mentioned, who does a lot of things that can help you, but can never be your number two or even probably your number three on a championship level team. Maybe you want to call him the three on this team, but I think it would probably be closer to Michael Porter Jr. They just have a lot of guys who do very specific things, and it seems like it's all very deliberate to build around a guy like Nikola Jokic, who can use all these weapons, all these different skill sets to the best of his ability because he is not only the most talented player, but probably the smartest player in the NBA. You could probably more confidently say he's the smartest player than he is the most talented player, and the talent literally oozes off him. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, when you got a guy like Jokic, I don't want to say it's hard to mess it up, but they've done a really, really good job of getting these like really distinct talents who do a lot of things and are versatile and can be manipulated by the best player in the world in Jokic. Nuggets favorites to win the championship already for next year, followed by the Celtics, the Bucks, the Suns, the Lakers, the Warriors, Sixers, Heat are midway down there. Toronto Raptors, ooh, bottom Keep third. Yeah, they're down there. Uh, you 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 mentioned like how are we gonna mention uh, how are we gonna remember the Heat? 
I don't know how we, I don't really know how to it answer that question. It was going to be a wonderful story. That's how I'm going to remember it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you'll always kind of, like, if you're talking about Jimmy Butler, you probably will remember this. I mean, you got the bubble run where they go, where he like, you know, is carrying them to mm-hmm. a, a similar situation. Um, but Jimmy Butler is going to be remembered. And I think he might be best remembered through this run, which is probably the thing you'd cling on to. But yeah, it's it's more about the individuals like Spolstra's an all-time great coach and Butler, maybe not an all-time great, but a guy who's talking about going to the Hall of Fame and not showing up yeah, to, the, to the ceremony. What a weird timeline that was last night. <laughs> <laughs> it's like writing on the wall. Kyle Lowry is a guy who obviously will always uh, have affection for. Bam Adebayo still has a long way to go. It's maybe just about the team and the standard that they keep and Pat Riley and Spolstra mm-hmm. and how... Everyone fits into the heat system partly because it, that's the demand, but partly because that's how they organize things themselves. And Riley and Spolster are two great basketball minds who, without without Jokic-level talent, put together a team that went to an NBA Finals. I will say watching the... Watching Jamal Murray win and the Nuggets win, but also having a Kyle Lowry game that was very memorable in, in some good ways and have, seeing him have his moment, it was kind of like the perfect story, right? You get... A nice end to the Kyle Lowry season. Like, he didn't always perform well in these playoffs. Yeah. We talked about this many times. Like, where's Kyle Lowry? And he, he showed up last night. And he was getting a lot of love on the timeline. He was getting a lot of love on the broadcast. He was getting his moment. And, and, and some negativity, though. Yeah, like well, you that's see, kind you, of the Kyle Lowry experience, yeah, you, is you it not? See the, you see Lowry through the other lens. And we've been seeing Lowry through the other mm-hmm. lens for a little while here. Of course, he hasn't been with the Raptors for a couple seasons. Uh, but like he is a very polarizing player. The flopping, it really, and, he really is. <laughs> and you know he's like he's just crafty. He's got that veteran savvy that is a little bit annoying when you're if you're cheering for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna be annoyed by Kyle Lowry if you're kind of nonpartisan. Didn't really matter who who won in your mind. I guess you notice it a little bit more. But Lowry, Lowry has those tricks and always had these tricks that if you are cheering for the team that he's playing against, you hate this guy. You absolutely <laughs> hate what he brings to the basketball floor. But he's a big competitor, and that's at, why you hate those guys, yeah, right? And at 37 years old, I mean, he's one of the guys that stands out for the, a Miami Heat team that is backs against the wall facing elimination. Mm-hmm. And he stood out more than Jimmy Butler. He that's stood it. out more than a lot of players on that team, with the exception of Bam, Struess. I mean, it was kind of Kyle Lowry up next. He hit a couple massive shots. Uh, and he was doing things to help his team win. He was definitely not the issue last night for Miami. Um, let's take your 590-590. I want to hear from the Kitchener folk. If you're up this morning, if you're still partying. I think there was a promise that Larry OB would be making. Oh, for sure. For sure. I know there was a lot of viewing parties. What do people do in Kitchener to celebrate? You got to send that in, 590-590. Uh, not, Kitchener's not a hamlet, but... They will have a lot of pride, like a small town squad that has rallied around Jamal Murray. Of course. Um, but yes, Jamal Murray crying post game, having that moment, being, you know, one of the front and center in the photo, holding the trophy. So well deserved. The guy has tackled a lot of hurdles. It just felt like he was just getting blow after blow at times, you know, coming back from the injury and for him to be such an integral in integral part of this run is really special like that is that's canadian legend stuff right there and so really obviously proud to see him have this moment and we'll try to contextualize like what that's like for canada basketball i mean they're in an important spot and 
they're going through a lot of, well, they have high aspirations and he's a guy that can lead them there. So we'll see how that fares moving forward. But a really wonderful storyline. How yeah, can Canadian do it? Hopefully decisions are a little easier when you've, you know, reached the point that he has. That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not a stretch to say that, like, Jamal Murray's been holding this team back in that he hasn't been available to them. Like, yeah. this is this team has been really, really good for a long time. They've had the pieces. They've had Jokic at the height of his powers for a little while now. And it's not a stretch to say that, yeah, if Jamal Murray didn't get hurt, that they would have won this championship sooner. But he's been unavailable the last two playoff runs, and he's clearly indispensable. Like, Jokic, as brilliant as he is, cannot win without Jamal Murray. Uh, And they probably can't win without a couple other members of the team. Uh, They are a true team, and they weren't a true team without Jamal Murray being at, you know, not just available, but... Mm -hmm. um, playing really, really well, playing as well as he has, being the peak Jamal Murray, uh, Denver's not winning without it. Shea's turn next. Uh, don't hold your breath for a little bit, but... Probably going to take a bit. Could see him um, eventually at that point, I hope. Okay, so we have lots more to cover in terms of this NBA final getting wrapped up. The offseason begins. Nuggets, the champs, will have lots from the parade, I'm sure. A lot of <laughs> fun moments, and, and obviously we'll... See how our our guy Jamal Murray continues to celebrate. But um, softer side, by the way, from the brothers, eh? The brothers are like kind of security. Yeah, lift, they, they, they're they, lifting they run, people up. They run Jokic security, uh, pretty mm-hmm. much. And yeah, you're getting the family shots. That's you know, uh, really sweet. You're yeah, and you're getting the moments where they're like being emotional and hugging and kissing after, <laughs> and everything's all nice with the family, but also throwing Michael Malone up in the air. Yeah, the Jokic family. Not short on characters. No, I, they need their own reality TV show. They really should. That have would be one in so Serbia. good. Even I don't even want it to be Americanized. Humor, I want no. it to be Serbian. One hundred percent. Like find a Serbian, whatever network. I don't, like a TV network in Serbia. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like E. Yeah, you know, Kardashians yeah. keeping up with the keeping up with the Okages. There we go. Doesn't roll off the tongue as well. I don't mind it. Okay. Um, lots of basketball today because uh, we've got the Toronto Raptors press conference today. Uh, we'll be airing that. So we have a little programming update. Um, Darko being introduced as the new Raptors head coach. That will be live at 1 p.m. on Sportsnet 590 fans. So Ben Ennis will anchor the coverage with a special three-hour edition of the fan drive. I want to put in the work at a three-hour show. What's that Solo, like? Solo, come on. Don't, don't, I'm don't hammer him. He's a grinder. Beginning at 1 p.m. And then at 4, Will and Alex will bring you the Raptors show. And they'll be joined by the new Raptors head coach at 4.30 p.m. So you get to hear him live on our station. Uh, the introduction at 1. And then the Will, Lou, and Alex Wong interview at 4.30. And so our programming will look like us, 6 to 9. J.D. Bunkus, 9 to 10. Jay's Talk Plus, 10 to noon. Jeff Merrick, 12 to 1. And then, as I mentioned, 1 o'clock, we'll do the live press conference. So you can catch all that on the station today. Um, but before we get into maybe what we're hoping to see for another Toronto press conference, we've seen a couple of those lately. Fred Van Vliet uh, officially declined his player option. Um, so major domino falling in terms of the offseason plans. It, it was something that you know we're not surprised about, I would say. Declined his uh, $22.8 million player option. So he's going to become an unrestricted, unrestricted free agent this summer. Hasn't ruled out negotiating a contract with the Raptors, so we got to say that immediately. It doesn't mean he's fully guaranteed to not be here, mm-hmm. but 
He is going to be highly coveted. Um, there Just are, exercising his right to make more and money. And he should. Which because is what you'd expect him to do. There is no doubt that he's going to make a lot more than $22.8 million. So in any situation. Or at least situation, secure more than 22.8. Yeah. Total. Yeah. Exactly. So there's an opportunity for him to do that. And he's a guy that has trademarked the bet on yourself. So are we surprised that he's doing that? Not at all. <laughs> yeah, he's probably pretty uh, safe to say he was going to roll uh, these dice. Um, yeah, it doesn't mean he's not coming back to the Toronto Raptors. It does, however, underscore what we've been talking about for the latter half of the Raptors season, which is, hey, are they mismanaging their assets here? Because if Fred Van Vliet walks, which he now can do after opting out of this, uh, the final year of his contract... You could be left with nothing Mm -hmm. for a major, major asset, an all-star level player, a guy who was at the all-star game a couple years ago. Helped bring a championship to Toronto. Helped bring a championship to Toronto could help uh, another team in a massive, massive Mm -hmm. way. To get this guy on a free transfer, if you want to call it that, would be a big move for a team that needs a point guard and has championship aspirations. So, yeah, I mean, if he walks for nothing it's beyond fair to criticize what we saw this season from Masai Ujiri and a failure to read the tea leaves. I think you can also criticize them if they just back up the Brinks truck and give them everything and decide in a year where it seems like they're going towards somewhat of a retooling under a new coach. Mm -hmm. Like, why would we be doing that? Why would we not be growing under new leadership rather than holding on to the past or expecting him to be an extension of the coaching staff. I mean, maybe that's somewhat palatable, just being like, hey, yeah, we're going to keep working, and we value Fred, and maybe he can coach this team one day. Uh, But definitely this move, and although it was completely unexpected, opens the Raptors up to potential criticism that I guess was always going to be there. I think a sign and trade seems to be very light, not likely, very much uh, an option. Yes. That would probably be the best of both worlds, right? At this point, though, because at this uh, point, okay, so would you rather than back the Brinks truck up for Fred Vivian or best, lose him for best, free? Best of both worlds, it's just like a piece of both, The right? best of the like, situation that's left, how about that? If we can just go back to maybe best of what's left, maybe. Yeah. Maybe best of what's left, keeping him around. I'm not really sure. Uh, but you I, have to pay him the, the, a lot of money. It's not the worst, which would be just letting him go. Of course. Uh, but again, there's, there might be value to having him around. You got to pay someone. And if they go scorched earth and trade Siakam and, and trade OG Ananobi, well, you got to pay someone some money. So maybe that's the guy you want to keep around in terms of helping develop players. Um but yeah, we just saw a sign and trade with a big name and a Raptors legend kind of blow up in the face of the Raptors just a little bit. Unless you, like I did, believe wholeheartedly in Precious Sajua being a thing. Uh, the return for Kyle Lowry, kind of anticlimactic. And if you do a sign and trade, you open yourself up mm-hmm. to the, the same uh, sort of potential fate. Uh, frankly, the way I want to see the Raptors conduct business, where I want them to go, and what I want for Fred it just in my personal interest, maybe the sign and trade is the best because yeah. it gives the Raptors an actual chance to rebuild and it gives Fred a chance to win another championship. And it's his trade value. And we can always look back at the trade deadline. Of course, if he walks for free, it seems like a huge fumble, but didn't seem like his value was extremely high at the trade deadline, right? It might have been, I mean, he wasn't probably higher than what it will be for a sign and trade. Do you think? 
Well, I think that's an um, interesting unless point. There, unless there's a team that's waiting that had uh, caps, a cap situation that they couldn't really get themselves out of. Okay, well, we're going to have our buddy Aaron Rose on at 8.30, and I think that's going to be the biggest question. Was Fred Van Vliet's trade value at the trade deadline higher than what the Raptors could potentially get as free agency opens with, with a sign-and-trade? Because that's how we're going to evaluate this decision to buy at the trade deadline versus sell. Because... Mm. I mean, we can always look back in revisionist history, but the worst case scenario is him walking. It's not a given, but he's going to be a he's going to be a, a hot topic. He was already at times this season. Then he wasn't playing at his peak at the at the trade deadline. The Raptors have a lot of decisions to make, and it seems like this one is is helping in terms of now the door is open for other options. And that's why the Darko press conference is mm-hmm. quite timely because Masai Ujiri will be on the podium with yes. uh, the new Raptors coach and will be fielding questions, and some of them will be around Fred Van Vliet. And I guess with these two, uh, not moves, one of the one of them's a move. Uh, these two headlines, yeah, you can kind of like based on how they deal with Fred and based on what they say about Darko will give us a lot of sense about what they're planning on doing this off season. And mm-hmm. really, I think the only thing you can ask for is decisiveness, decisiveness on Fred, decisiveness with your direction, decisiveness with your coaches, coaching hire. Sounds familiar. That's all you're really <laughs> looking for, right? You're mm-hmm. just looking for them to have a plan rather than them being like, Oh yeah, we, you know, we see the value in Darko and we'll see where we go. Well, like eventually they're gotta be, they gotta put their foot in the ground and do something. Mm-hmm. and choose which way they want to go. And I think Fred can help assist in that, but Fred just got himself all the power in the world and all the leverage he needs to make the best decision for him. And that is now, since he opted out of this, the final year in his deal, separate from the Raptors. He can do this individual or away from the Raptors, which puts the Raptors in a spot where they lose leverage and they have less stable ground uh, to stand on, and it's been getting shakier and shakier over the last few seasons here. I think in the last year, calendar year, and a little bit more than a calendar year, we've had a couple press conferences where we have said the same thing. What do we want from the Raptors today? Decisive direction. It still feels like we don't really know where they're going, but that's, I mean, we're not privy to knowing, but if you're looking from the outside, they haven't been very uh, transparent, and that's an opportunity today. Messiah Jury speaking to the media, hoping to to maybe field some questions about, is it a rebuild? Is it a retool? Are you bringing back the same core? Where does Fred Van Vliet fit in this picture? Are you open to... Are you signing Yak and Gary and... Are you open to moving at the draft? Now, this is something that we've seen a little bit more catching, up, um, catching steam, is there are some high picks that might be floated around, are the Raptors going to be aggressive at the draft? Are they interested in moving up, moving down? Like, what? what is the plan for the draft? That's really soon. The draft is right around the corner. So getting a little of insight about that, where the Raptors might be headed, what kind of prospect they're looking for. Like, they don't have the highest pick, but they have an opportunity to add to their team, right? Like, what kind of person are you looking for to fill that? There's a lot of a lot of questions. Are you regretting? And I, I don't think Miss I would answer this uh, maybe the way that we'd want to, but are you regretting the direction you took at the trade deadline? Portland was a, you were a worse team than Portland at the trade deadline and Portland ended up with a third overall pick, right? So like we're going to look back at that trade deadline when they decided to buy instead of sell and mm-hmm. look where you are now. Do you regret that? You can ask him that. I don't think he's going to be like, yeah, I would 
but true serum is always something we bring up on the show. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of things. And it might be over, too overly simplistic to like connect those dots. But yes, they could have put themselves in far better position mm-hmm. uh, for June 22nd, which is draft night, where they can actually get a better player, someone they can maybe pair with Scotty Barnes to work with Darko and actually finally look towards the next chapter of this team and stop clinging to what was 2019. Like that mm-hmm. is that is now... With Nick Nurse, it's fully flushed. So how do you move from there? What are the steps from there? Are the, Is the step to continue to be the eighth team or the eighth seed and try to be like Ugh, the Miami I Heat? I hope not. Well, you look at that Miami Heat team, and despite their flaws and despite like, oh, they're wow, they're relying on Gabe Vincent, they still had difference makers. They mm-hmm. still had depth. They didn't have Tyler Hero. Oh, they had him last night. They, choose to, didn't, or they chose to not put him in the game. But they have more to offer. There is way more there with that Miami team, despite them finishing where we think the Raptors could have if they hit the top of their performance range. They have more over there. The Raptors clearly don't have enough. And in order to get those guys, at some point, they have to make the decision to take that step back. And we'll see if they have an appetite for it yet, because it didn't seem like they had it uh, during the latter portion of the season and after it, really. Okay, so 1 p.m. formally introducing the new Raptors head coach. Messiah Jerry will be there as well. They'll be fielding questions. Uh, Texting at 590-590. What do you want to hear from today, right? This is probably the last time we hear from these two, or at least Messiah before the draft, before some of these big decisions get made, off-season plans, buying, selling, trading, signing, where you're going with the draft. If you could ask Messiah Jerry and the new head coach of the Toronto Raptors anything, what would it be? Which, what information do you need to glean so that we can come on the show tomorrow morning on Wednesday and have direction to talk about actual substance, not just words that are meaningless? That's a, mm. that's a nice thing to ask for, right? And, and you know, we do want to learn about Darko. Yeah, we, I'm, I'm, we, I'm we really excited to learn about him. And I want to know why they picked him. I want to know what the what the candidate selection process was like what well, maybe not why it took so long because i think like you know i'm glad that you did your due diligence but what was it about him that really sold it is it about the direction that this team is going and i think we can we can glean that we could try to make that work in our narrative but i want messiah jury to say that like this guy is good at developing players mm-hmm. that means we might retool a bit we might go younger we might think of a different window if he says that then it makes so much sense why you hired him or we get, this is the best coach available in our opinion, and uh, we don't have any answers for you. And then the frustration continues. Okay, 1 p.m. on our station, uh, Ben Ennis anchoring that. And then later you'll hear from the Raptors head coach at 4.30 p.m. So 4 o'clock, Will Lou and Alex Wong will have the Raptors show today. Uh, we have another em- elimination slash championship moment possibly tonight. Golden Knights-Panthers game five. Um, that will be, if you see back-to-back championships be pretty fun two nights um, in sports watching, but that means that there's no more sports except for baseball for a while. So yeah. kind of a double-edged sword. But looks like Matthew Kachuk maybe might not be in, maybe will be in. There's been uh, interesting lineups. I mean, yesterday the Florida Panthers practiced, and there was a couple people missing, including Matthew Kachuk. So I don't know if you want to already think that he's not playing. I think he's the type of guy, unless he's not allowed to play because of, you know, I guess a concussion ask symptoms or or whatever happened mm-hmm. then he's gonna grind it out like this is it this your team needs you you're the leader you're the guy the face of this team i'd be really surprised not i'd be disappointed to see him in it not as well not 
I'd be disappointed in terms of just intrigue of the game. Obviously, sure. if he's injured, yeah, I don't want him to play. But uh, well, yeah, whether they play or not, and I'm including Montour in this because Montour didn't practice either. Like this is a diminished Florida team. We were talking about it yesterday. We were talking about how they're limping to the finish line. They don't have much left. They're losing the battle of attrition. These things all seem true, mm-hmm. but you still want to see them in the lineup 100%. fighting until the end anyway. You want to see. Uh, them in the handshake line. He makes if there's the game going fun and spicy regardless. <laughs> yeah, and then we have the possibility of another 10-minute misconduct to settle, um, you know, potential bets between yeah. us. Uh, but yeah, I just, it just, it feels like the Stanley Cup Finals lost a little steam. It, ste- it seems like it's going to maybe end with a whimper mm-hmm. a little bit here in a non-competitive, potentially uh, uh, closeout game for the Vegas Golden Knights. But there's still a lot of intrigue tonight. I mean... We've seen a Stanley Cup awarded in Vegas, but we haven't seen the home team win a Stanley Cup in Vegas. And I don't know what that will entail. Like we saw some partying last night. It may pale in comparison to what we see from the Vegas Golden Knights tonight if they're able to close out in their home city, which also happens to be the entertainment capital of the world. So it should be a fun one. Uh, (laughs) Back-to-back championship nights would be cool. Not good for our sleep, but no one in Vegas is going to be sleeping tonight anyway. No, they will not be. Like the Hangover Four, like something. Who do you think the rowdiest person Golden Knight would be? Probably not one of those Canadians. <laughs> the list is slim. But Jon- I- Jonathan Quick is, has a uh, <laughs> he has a history with championship parades. We'll see. Yeah, I really hope we see it tonight. I do think that a big question that we are super interested in because we might have. Bets riding on it is what does Eichel need to do tonight to win this Smythe? Because people are talking, and it seems like it's Marsha So. You look at the odds, it's Marsha So. He's obviously had his incredible playoff run, but for some reason, the big names keep saying Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel. And we have a big name on at seven. Including the guy at seven who said that if he had a vote, it would be Jack Eichel. So what's he need to do tonight to make that happen? One big moment, one big goal. Yeah. That's it. Like it, it does feel like it's hanging in the balance a little bit. Like if there's mm-hmm. any point of intrigue, it's not who's going to win the Stanley Cup, but who's going to win the Smythe Trophy because it's it very much seems up in the air. And if Jack Eichel has a big closeout game, that might be enough for him to take it from his line mate, Jonathan Marchessault, so, or Aiden Hill with a shutout. Maybe he can convince voters. Mm-hmm. It does seem like the voting committee, which is unknown at this point, and people have put their hands up and said, hey, I'm voting. Uh, and that's given us some information that we're trying mm-hmm. to use to best of our abilities. Uh, but it seems like they're a little torn. Some of them are in camps, but I think a lot of them could have their minds made up or changed by what we see tonight. Okay, we'll have Jeff Merrick on at 7 every Tuesday morning, of course. Got a couple things to go through with him, including a little maybe a little Leafs chatter. Um, we do have Blue Jays baseball back in action as well. We'll talk to Dan Shulman, our favorite, um, later in the show as well, to tee up a huge series against the Baltimore Orioles. So the Blue Jays had a nice off day on Monday, one they hadn't had many of in the last 30 days. Um, so they got an opportunity to start fresh against the Orioles. We'll tee that up with him. Uh, but on the other side of the break, we've got the A-list, the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590. 590. The Fan. Now it's time for hey, yo. the A-list. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. What's up, baby? Okay, we're a few days away from the U.S. Open, open teeing off. A couple good groups lined up there. But our buddy Adam Hadwin was sent something very important for his trip to the U.S. Open. He showed up and I guess they have like they got their lockers. And the USGA has sent him 
a letter and two gifts. The letter said, glad you're feeling better, made the trip. Your safety and security are utmost priority. We're here to support you and ensure your well-being, including a hard hat and a neon vest <laughs> mm. that says, you know, USG on it. It's just yeah. funny. It's funny. I feel, funny play. It's He's going to be some stuff coming. I along. promise you, Justin. It's funny. It is. I, I think <laughs> they should have went with shoulder pads instead. Mm. Helmet, football helmet. Yeah, they could have done that. Probably easier for them to just grab that from someone that works like, there. I don't think any <laughs> scaffolding is going to fall on his head. He uh, got tackled. He did. Um, he's been. A, he's been a true pro moving through all this. He could have been. Could have been up in arms about it. I mean, there's content plays aplenty. It's a good thing. You love a content play? I love a content play. And this has been one. Um, Okay, one more content play for you. First of all, the Oakland Athletics might never lose a a baseball game again. They won again last night Mm. after we said fade the A's. Right when we anointed them as Hall of Fame losers. I'm pretty sure that's five in a row. It's pretty crazy. You said five yesterday. I think it might be six. It might be six then against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, They won 4-3 last night. Anyway, big, big day. Today, for the Oakland Athletics, I remember bringing this up about two months ago. The reverse boycott is tonight. They're going to pack the Oakland Coliseum and show that fans are not the problem. They are, have already raised $30,000 and plans to hand out seven. 30000 Well, they plan to hand out 7,000 shirts that okay. say right. sell. And the idea is that they're going to show, hey, we can show up. We can, we, we can be here, but you're the problem. You know, the, mm-hmm. you guys are the problem. Anyway, they've, you know, historically still on pace for one of the worst records of, in baseball history, unless they just never lose a game again, which kind of seems like it's going on. But tonight's the night with the anti-boycott or the opposite boycott, reverse boycott. Keep an eye on it. I was going to say uh, the Oakland or fading Oakland's got to be the play tonight, but maybe that'll spark. Maybe that, that's the reason they've turned things around. This thirty thousand dollars <laughs> fundraiser defiant that the fans team. have put together. Yeah, yeah. a little defiancy for both the team up. and the few fans. They have. The shirt just says "sell," and they're like lime green. So it'll be interesting. It'll be a. It will be a fun little. Fun night at the ballpark. A little night at the ballpark. So look for yeah. anything coming from Oakland tonight because the fans will be loud and they will be proud of Weren't they going to be silent? Fans. What was that thing? They were, were going to come and be completely silent? I don't really know the what their process is other than they're making a statement tonight. All right. Okay. Okay. Jeff Merrick joins us after the break. Could be the last NHL game we see in a little while. What does this mean for Vegas's journey? What does this mean for Florida? Uh, what we see Matthew Kachuk and more. Maybe a little bit of uh, Leafs chat. See some, see some Nick Robertson online. It's been a while since I said that guy. That guy's name out loud. Uh, we'll have him after the break on the Fan Morning Show.